Oh, hey. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, all right, so this is part two of Dogs and Fences. Uh, and this time we are looking backward to look forward. So this, uh, this section of the video series will be about the Trump phenomenon. Uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump's administration, uh, and the impact or connections to the United States as a national institution, uh, with also some bonus material at the end of this discussion about the connections between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, and especially the Donald Trump administration and Vladimir Putin. Remember, the president is a figurehead and is often used as the scapegoat for everything, but at the end of the day, we are a democracy and the administration that supports or is selected by the president is its own identifiable entity with its own agenda, which may or may not be in alignment with the president that they are serving. So with that said, we always have to, in a democracy, hold the administration and its members as accountable as the figurehead uh, or the president, him or herself. All right, let's take a look at what happened. All right, so here we have two charts. On the left side is Donald Trump's birth chart, and on the right is the July 4th, 1776 chart using the Scorpio rising chart. And again, uh, a couple of caveats before we get into this, so you're not arguing with me about this stuff or quibbling. We're not quibbling about this. The chart on the left, I set up with what I believe is the rectified time for Donald Trump. I do not believe he is Leo rising with the sun ruling the chart. I believe that he is Virgo rising with Mercury ruling the chart. Um, and there, it, it's only a couple of degrees difference, which will not make a, a huge difference in terms of the planetary placements, but it does make a significant difference in terms of the chart rulership for his chart, as well as timing events. And there are some notable physical features that are absolutely mercurial, not leonine. Anyway, <laughs> you can use whatever chart you want. I'm going to use the chart I prefer. Um, now, on the right side, we have the, the United States chart for July 4th, 1776. And again, same thing where there's a lot of quibbling about what the actual birth of the nation chart is. I'm using July 4th, 1776 because we're all as a group pretty much agreed that this is our birth chart. So we're just going to run with that. Um, I'm using the Scorpio rising chart because that also seems to be the easiest to work with at this particular point in time. There are a lot of uh, disagreements about what the actual time for the birth of the Constitution in the United States is, but I'll leave that for a different conversation with astrologers and historians who have more specific information to argue about that with. For now, this is the chart we're using. This is my chart, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> okay, so let's review, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Donald uh, Trump's chart, let's review what we're dealing with here. So the first thing I want you guys to see is that he's got this sun moon and that's pretty wide we're not using that so he has a sun moon opposition i believe he was born under an eclipse but he's definitely a sun moon opposition um if you use the virgo rising chart and this is where the slight differences come in that full moon in his chart he's a full moon baby becomes intercepted when you have planets that are intercepted uh, in houses in natal chart, it makes it them much less obvious uh, and also can make them a little more difficult to access the full potential or power of. So it's a bit like being, um, 
it's a bit like being a bad guy in disguise, right? People don't see you clearly and you're not necessarily able to express yourself as authentically or truly as you could, um, which I suppose with him would make all kinds of sense. Now, if he was in fact a full moon baby, or he is a full moon baby, I'm sorry, if he was in fact an eclipse baby, there is a really distinct chance this man is batshit crazy. Um, but we don't know that, and this is pure speculation, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm just saying, if if we have a chart like this, and the person is in fact batshit crazy, like literally driving train to Looney Tuneville, with intercepted planets like this, it will be very hard for people to see that. So unlike other people who are completely Looney Tunes, and you can see it from a block away, people with intercepted planets like this, it will not be obvious. So keep that in mind. Now, um, with him, he's got a couple of transneptunians that I thought were interesting. One of them is Vulcanus. He has Vulcanus here, conjunct the sun as part of this full moon opposition. Now with Vulcanus, Vulcanus is the deformed god. Uh, he is the one who's in charge of metalsmithing and iron and ore and uh, was banished you know, to a, a cave to slave and toil away by his mother because he was so deformed and hideous. With, uh, but that's not all it means. Vulcanus also describes great might or physical power or physical size, right? So something large and mighty and hard to miss. With the sun conjunct Vulcanus, you're going to get people who are very physically powerful or very physically imposing. Donald Trump, in spite of his little itty bitty doll hands, <laughs> and his very delicate bird-like features, which is absolutely verbalizing. He is still a physically imposing man when he enters the room. The man is huge. So Vulcanus conjunct the sun makes all kinds of sense here. Now, with the sun and Vulcanus and the north node together, in this, remember your north node is where you're supposed to be going, because this north node is up here in Gemini, and your south node is where you've been. What you're, it's easy for you to go there because you've done it before, but we, we're trying to get out of our old habits so we can become bigger, better, fresher versions of ourselves. With this, we'll start with the south node. With the south node down here with this moon in Sagittarius, this means that he's come from a lifetime, if you believe in previous lifetimes, he's come from a previous lifetimes where he was feral. He ran wild, did what he wanted, had no rules or bounds, and wasn't um, tied to social conventions. So all also, too, with Moon and Sag, but especially Moon in Sagittarius conjunct the South Node, uh, not only is there an exaggerated tendency towards being uncouth, but the whole foot-in-mouth disease where you blurt out things you probably shouldn't have said just out of sheer civil politeness uh, is absent in these people. Um, the South Node really exaggerates that. And this is what he's supposed to get away from, is this wild, barefoot, hillbilly, you know, running amok in the wilderness kind of behavior and return to civilization and become a refined gentleman and participant of society. That is the North Node. Now, with his North Node, right, and he's got Uranus there too, and we'll talk about that also. With the North Node and Vulcanus and the Sun in Gemini, one of the missions that he was on in this lifetime was to learn, A, how to become a refined, civilized member of society. Anybody with this planetary lineup, Sun and North Node in Gemini, or North Node in Gemini, there's a heavy emphasis on learning social graces and learning how to be um, a more functional, accepted member of polite society. So learning your manners, learning how to speak in all situations, all all of the civil rules of society we're supposed to master 
when you've got the north node in Gemini involved. If it's conjunct the sun, it's imperative that you get through this to master these lessons for your identity and ego development. Now, with the sun and north node in Vulcanus, what this can also indicate is somebody who is mightily impressed by people who have mastery of languages or words or who are extremely literate. Um, I don't know how he feels about this. Uh, I, we know what we've seen, but that's not necessarily a reflection of the whole picture. So I'll just leave that there. Now, one of the things people often talk about with Donald Trump is about him being the great disruptor. And I'm sure somebody heard that and borrowed it from an astrologer because, <laughs> because Uranus is known as the great disruptor. So here we have somebody, uh, and this applies to everybody with a Sun-Uranus conjunction or a full moon involving Uranus. In this particular situation, we have somebody who's got a Sun-Uranus conjunction um, who lives to shock people. Like they love goosing people just to get a reaction. Uh, so if they think that you take yourself too seriously, they're going to poke you, you know, or put a whoopee cushion under your seat or something like that. They're constantly playing pranks, psychological and physical, uh, to interrupt that stuffy, full of yourself kind of thing. The other thing is that with Sun Uranus and especially Uranus energy, it is disruptive. It is always disruptive. The thing with Uranus is that Uranus breaks up the status quo. Okay. So whenever Uranus is present, whether these people are consciously participating in this or they just happen to be a, a symbol of something and their mere presence becomes the disruptive force, the Uranian energy is always going to be there to break up the status quo in some way. And some people will be mightily uncomfortable with Uranian people because they can sense that there is change and transition on the heels of this person's arrival, whether this person has, is actively participating in that or not. So if you, my friend, have strong Uranus in your chart, either on the angles or with personal planets, if people are uncomfortable with you and have, tend to have weird ab reactions to you, this is why. It's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong, although I will say, <laughs> with Uranus individuals, uh, they do tend to, without thinking about it, be a little, or have a little less regard for uh, what is it? Somebody described it once as, you know, kissing the ring sort of uh, behaviors to get stuff done than other people. So your forthrightness and candor is always going to make people uncomfortable. But if you're not doing anything wrong and you know you're doing all the right things and still people are being weird or trying to push you out, it's because you represent change. You are, because you're Uranian, you are the force of nature that is the great disruptor just by existing. Okay. So... In this case, it's entirely possible that Mr. Trump did not know uh, or intend to be a great disruptor or, or, or any of those things. This may not have been as conscious and act as it would seem, uh, given his propensity to take credit for everything. Um, and he, in fact, did, because remember, the North Node is there. It's what you're supposed to do in this lifetime, right? So we've got the North Node and the Sun and Uranus all together here. And he did exactly what those three things combined told us he should be doing. The sun, the north node, and the Uranus is here to break up a status quo and to disrupt the establishment, all right, or to disrupt how we perceive things and how we, how we uh, look at things. It's here to shock us out of our lazy, complacent thinking. Mm. And he's managed to do all of that, uh, literally all of that, without uh, necessarily making that his intention or certainly not in the ways he expected. Um, so his very presence and all that he is 
has brought about exactly those things. Those are the disruptions we expected from him. Now, with it involved in a full moon, this makes it even more huge, right? Much more visible, much more huge. People who were born under full moons are very, very visible. Like they can't help themselves. So they're very visible. People see them. People notice them. People hear them. Everything they say or do or, or see, like people see also. So with the Sun North Node Uranus in Gemini disrupting our, our perceptions, right, and our thoughts and our, our complacent thinking, uh, our, our lazy thinking, basically, and forcing us to take a second look at what is obvious or not obvious or should have been obvious if we were paying attention, absolutely was his calling card in this, in this, in this particular instance, and that was the purpose that he served. Now, he has Mercury in Cancer. It is squaring Neptune. I still say this man is Virgo rising, which is going to make Mercury his chart ruler. It is squaring Neptune in that second house of money. Mercury's in the 11th. Now, here's where the intercepted house is being important. So the intercepted house of Gemini is ruled by Mercury, as well as that first house now, because we're saying it's Virgo rising. So with a, with a first house ruler also ruling an intercepted 10th house, there is a lot of what you see is not what you get when it comes to his public image, which is exactly what we've discovered, like all the way down the line. Um, so more than being hidden, it's like a it's like a kabuki mask, right, or a, a theater mask. So there's the mask that we're putting on for the stage, and then there's another face hiding behind it kind of thing, which isn't to say that a person with this particular arrangement is two-faced, but it is to say that what you see is not what you get. So that's the first thing, just looking at Mercury. Mercury squares Neptune in his second house. Well, Neptune is illusion and falsity and deception uh, and fantasy and wishful thinking. Mercury squaring that means that he spends a lot of time living in wishful thinking land, uh, delusions or fantasy. Um, you know, very, very, and remember Neptune's sails and images, right? So he's very, very invested in the image, you know, his image, the image, uh, um, as well as creating the illusion of something, especially when it involves his image. Now, Mercury squaring Neptune like this is also indicating a possibility of deception uh, or fraud, because uh, Neptune can rule fraud, uh, where finances are concerned, specifically his personal finances. Remember, Neptune, well, and also with other people's resources. So here's what happens, right? Neptune is here in his second house. This is his personal finances. And we know with that square to Mercury, there is the possibility of some fraudulent or deceptive or illusory information uh, where his personal assets and resources are concerned. This is going to be a lifelong issue for him. Also, with a Mercury square Neptune to that second house Neptune, he cannot hang on the money to save his life. Interestingly, Neptune also rules his eighth house if we're using the uh, rectified time. I think it's still Neptune on the 8th if it's the 29th Leo rising, but Neptune rules the 8th house. The 8th house is the house of shared resources and support from other people. So his uh, inability to manage his money and his fraudulent or deceptive activity involving his assets and resources would absolutely also involve loans and because that is support from other people, right? And investors and financial partners. So if I didn't know this person from Adam and somebody were asking me if I wanted to, if they thought it was a good idea to loan him money or go into business with him, I would absolutely say no, because this right here is a big red flag that once that money goes in that black hole, you'll never see it again.
Oui. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. All right. Now, he has Venus-Saturn conjunction in Cancer in the 11th house, Venus and Saturn. Mm, it's making a wide square to Jupiter, which is kind of a funny place for it. Um, so we'll talk about that. So Venus and Saturn together uh, makes for somebody who is very stingy, very stingy. Um, and, but not just with money. I mean, very stingy with their emotions, very stingy with their time. They're, they're, they're constantly looking at other people as potential uh, users and opportunists and, and very calculating. So it's a very quid pro quo placement, Venus and Saturn. They do not trust other people. They have difficulty being vulnerable or getting close to other people and are constantly uh, thinking in their mind that, that other people are out to use them or conversely, they're constantly looking for ways to use other people. They don't really have relationships that are not based on serious calculation, um, you know, and a whole what can you do for me mentality. It's an unfortunate position to have. Now, with Venus ruling his, here, some markings. With Venus ruling his Midhaven, okay, and also ruling his third house. No, that's not right. Yes, it rules third house. Um, communications and business are absolutely the things that make him happy because Venus is what makes you happy, right? However, it is conjunct Saturn and Saturn is not a happy planet. So Saturn weighs heavy with responsibility. So his pleasures always feel like burdens at the same time. You know, I'm sure his, his great quote was, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Uh, Saturn also rules that fifth house of, of speculation and joy and love. Now, again, this is not a great combination of things because Saturn is a malefic, right? Venus and Saturn, because Venus rules your money, Venus and Saturn together makes for a lean or what they call mean finances. There's not a lot there to work with. Everything's stretched thin to the absolute nth degree. Um, his losses are always going to come in where speculation is concerned because Saturn is making a wide square to Jupiter, which means that he tends to bet or risk way too much uh, with very little padding uh, to cover the bet and then gets very little return on it. So it's always a bit of a problem for him. So that's not happy. Um, and again, Venus and Saturn is not a warm, loving, effusive planet. Um, he can be very generous. Jupiter is in the sex sixth house and Venus and Saturn are squaring that. So he has his moments of exceptional generosity. So he's one of these parents and partners and people, you know, that will ignore you for months, not talk to you, not give you anything. Like you literally have to beg him for 50 cents to buy something out of a vending machine. So you actually have something to eat for lunch, that kind of like mean, tight fisted kind of thing when it comes to finances and money. And then out of nowhere, out of the blue one day, maybe because he feels guilty or it's, it, it's going to look good for him. I'm not completely sure what the motivations would be, but out of the blue, once in a blue moon, he will do something like buy you an island, you know, give you a private jet, you know, uh, you know, buy you a priceless art painting or something. But it doesn't happen often. And there's always, because he's very calculating Venus and Saturn and Cancer, there's always an ulterior motive or other reason in addition to it beyond just being generous to you. So, and of course, also I forgot to mention, with Venus and Saturn conjunction Cancer, earning love and affection is everything. They, this is not somebody who grew up in an environment where there was unconditional love. This is somebody who grew up in an environment where you had to earn every scrap of affection and warmth you got. Um, 
you know, and it was a constant struggle. So they, they've never, you can't give what you don't know, right? So this person did not grow up in an environment where they were well supported emotionally or given unconditional acceptance or love. Hence, this is what they know in this lifetime. And I'm sure their upbringing was identical to the way he behaves and that, you know, it's all this neglect, denial, neglect, denial, neglect, denial. Are you worthy? Are you worthy? Are you worthy? And then this sudden, like, thing drops in your lap of, you know, financial or material generosity as if that makes up for months and years of emotional neglect. So I'm just saying. All right. Now, he has Mars and Leo. This is a source of contention with some astrologers. So let's let's kind of go over this right now. So with... One Virgo rising, the sun, or I'm sorry, the Mars is at 26 Leo. So it is technically close to the ascendant. It is not on the ascendant. Don't let anybody sell you that bag of rice. Mars is behind the ascendant, squarely in the 12th house. With Virgo rising, it absolutely dissipates any connection to the ascendant. So he is not Mars rising, okay? And to to understand why this makes a difference, here's why. Mars is the warrior. Mars, angular or strong in connection to other planets um, and very prominent chart will give you somebody who will literally like not back down. They will take on the bear. They will take on the bear. They will take on the Prussian army. They will take on the devil. They're not afraid of anything. And if they are afraid, they get even more in your face, belligerent, combative because they're not going down without a fight. If you've ever known Mars people, they're not afraid of a challenge or to take people on. And because it's Mars, Mars is the foot soldier. Mars is the combatant, right? Mars is very simple. It's Aries. It's very simple. It's very direct. It's very honest. So where you find Mars strong in a chart or even Aries on a house, you're going to find that this is the area of life where the person is the most uh, guile-less, lacking guile, um, and certainly the most forthright and uh, ready for confrontation. If he had Mars on the ascendant, uh, not only would he, he be a lot more in your face, direct, um, you know, challenge rising. He's not, he's a lot of hot air. Um, but the other thing is that we would look for scars because typically with Mars on the ascendant, you either get somebody who's in very good physical shape because they need to burn off that energy somewhere, somehow, or it will make them crazy. He's hardly an athlete by any stretch of the imagination and never has been. So the other way for that to go is with, you know, verbal, whatever, whatever, whatever. And typically with Mars strong like that, you get doctors or lawyers, right? And none of these things apply here. So his Mars is going to be in the 12th house. Now, when you have Mars in the 12th house, you got to know these people do like, a, and listen, it's not just them. There are a lot of people on the planet that do not like confrontation. So it's not just them. The difference is with 12th house Mars people, they tend to be confrontation, or I'm sorry, conflict avoidant. They don't like conflict. They want everyone to be nice to them. They want everybody to be nice around them. They don't want to deal with it. And when they do get angry, they're afraid to express their anger. So it comes through as very passive, aggressive, spiteful acts, okay? So where a Mars on the first or angular on the first or close to the ascendant is most likely to be like a New Yorker jump in your face and yo, buddy, I don't think so. And then like punch you in the nose, right? Because um, they're not afraid. They'll take their whooping, but you, you'll know they were there. Mars in the 12th house will not do that. Mars in the 12th house is much more uh, secretive about it and much more passive aggressive. So they like to take their passive aggressive digs at you. And that's how they express their temper. 
and he is the king of passive aggressive. And we know that just from what the reports in the history that we've had. So, um, you know, I mean, so we're looking at like, well, is there anything good? <laughs> well, yeah, there is. And in all charts, it represents possibilities and we can decide which direction we're going in any given time, right? So the thing about it is with this Vulcanus and North Node and Uranus, right? And that moon and the full moon configuration, you know, and, and trining that Mars and Leo, he's a phenomenal salesperson. This is somebody who can absolutely sway and persuade a crowd, a person or a crowd. Um, this is an entertainer by heart and nature. This is what they're good at is being a performer. So the ability to sway and move people through performance uh, or performative functions is absolutely something they're brilliant at. And that's the kind of thing you like to see in teachers and salespeople. Unfortunately for us, he didn't go that route. I think he did the, his real estate stuff. A lot of it has to do with sales. He was selling people a lot to get money out of them for loans because you have to convince them to give you money. But that's about the extent of that. Um, the other thing is that he could have easily, because Saturn rules integrity, right? So with Venus and Saturn in, together, he could have easily learned very poignant, deep lessons, you know, that had everything to do with integrity, right? And the integrity in relationships and being very uh, honest and committed, you know, and very clear about what's expected and everybody doing the right things. That's also a Venus-Saturn function, especially in Cancer. Um, Unfortunately, this is not necessarily the way it went for him because the other side of that Venus, Saturn, and Cancer is infidelity, constant, frequent, lying infidelity, gaslighting infidelity. With Venus, Saturn, and Cancer, or Saturn and Cancer, or heavy Mars and Cancer, or heavy Cancer emphasis in a chart, you're going to get people who like to gaslight you while they're cheating on you. What? What? Me cheating? What? No, it's you. It's clearly you thinking about it. Like, they're just... Not healthy cancer energy is extremely damaging to the mental health of the people around them because they're very, very good at gaslighting everybody while they're doing their nonsense. So hopefully if you've got somebody with strong cancer in their chart, they are healthy cancer energy, not unhealthy cancer energy. All right. So uh, the next thing that we have is the United States chart. Okay, and uh, we're not going to get too much into that because we'll be here literally all day going over charts. And also, too, it's the chart of a nation, so it's not quite the same thing. What we really want to do with these two charts is we want to look at the connections between Donald Trump and the USA chart, right? And we're going to do that right now. So the inside wheel right here, this is the United States. Planets on the outside is Donald Trump. So first things first, and I thought this was interesting. The, remember the stone we talked about, the Sun, Uranus, North Node? Well, it is conjunct. What is this one? The United States Mars, All right? And there's that full moon configuration. So Donald Trump has his Sun, Uranus, and North Node, right? opposing his moon, sitting on or activating the United States Mars. So what this first thing this does, it tells us is his impact on the United States is going to have everything to do with the health of the United States Mars, right? And Mars also, interestingly enough, is in the sign Gemini. So when we activate 
a person's Mars or a nation's Mars, we are activating the inflammatory side of their personality. So anything that is ruled by Mars, which in this case would be inflammatory, um, angry or anger, uh, passion, um, physical activity, all of these things are going to be activated with heavy, heavy emphasis on that Mars. So, so what this means is that he could, in theory, have just as easily with this combination, right? He could have just as easily inspired and activated a desire for the United States as a nation to get in touch with their passions for health and fitness and physical activity and sports. He could have, because Gemini is involved, could have easily inspired a renewed interest and passion in literature and education, right? There are a number of things that are covered by Mars that he could have inspired, you know, or, or activated with his presence, you know, in the country as our leadership. But instead, what we got was someone who absolutely activated the anger side of Mars. So all the, the fomenting anger, the resentment, all that dis dysfunctional Mars energy, all the dysfunctional anger and resentment that's been sitting, simmering in parts of the population, this is what he activated with his presence. This is what he symbolized for them. So that is interesting. Now, with that said, what that also means is this is why he has become so um, important to uh, you know specific populations inside the United States um, and why they cling to him like he is their last hope for survival. Not because uh, he is, but because remember, it's Mars and Gemini. You know, you'll often hear the, the expression, oh, you know, he speaks his mind. Well, the fact of the matter is a lot of people who say that he speaks his mind and that's why they like him, don't actually care what anybody else has to say. I mean, listen, let's be honest. Look at the people we're talking about. You know who they are. They're friends of yours. They're family. They're coworkers. You know who these people are and who they've been before Trump. They don't care what other people have to say. They, they really don't. They don't care what your opinion is. And they'll tell you, I don't care what you think. So now suddenly I like him because he speaks his mind, which really translates into they like him because he speaks their mind. He has become a mouthpiece for this Mars population. And that is 99% of his value to them and why he's become such a, 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 developed such a loyal cult following and why there's such a passionate embracing of this man in spite of everything else that he's doing that is clearly not in anyone's best interest, especially theirs. Because more than anything else, you gotta know, and it's obvious, the man is a classist. If you're not a member of his class, you know, or a class higher than himself that he's trying to aspire to, he has no use for you. And we all see it, but people who see him as their mouthpiece don't care because they see him as the final life raft away from a future that they don't want. So there's that. Now, the United States chart, also, we have a Sun-Jupiter conjunction in Cancer. Well, remember that Mercury-Neptune um, square we were talking about? The deception, the illusion, the deceit, fraud. Right. Well, guess whose Mercury sits right on top of our son, Jupiter? Yes, 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 yes. Our boy, Donald. So back here. So he carries that Mercury-Neptune square um, out of his 11th and his second house. So there's a lot of financial issues and a lot of misrepresentation of his assets and his position and his status in life, all this sort of stuff. We know that. 
But when it connects to our Sun Jupiter, what that means is that we would be giving him either a forgiving eye uh, for these things. We'd forgive him for his transgressions. And he, he did for four years, got a free pass and a whole lot of stuff anybody else would have been hung for instantly. The other is with Sun-Jupiter conjunction uh, in Cancer, as a nation, this means that we are a wealth of resources. We may not see it because we're living here and we don't appreciate just how wealthy in assets and resources uh, that we have that puts us in a position of power. But the chart says it um, very, very clearly. You know, as a nation, we are powerful because of our assets and resources. Um, with his Mercury square Neptune connecting to that Sun Jupiter, in some ways he would have seen our country and our assets and resources as his piggy bank. That's a little disturbing. And I'm saying that because remember that Venus Saturn, that opportunistic, what can you do for me? Like, you know, quid pro quo, very unpleasant, stingy Venus Saturn in his chart because of the way he was brought up. Well, it conjuncts our Mercury. So we've got a lot going back and forth in terms of tight connections between his chart and our chart. Now, the thing about it is this does not necessarily mean that he was always going to be, no matter what, a nefarious, bad, malicious influence. That's not what this means. This could have gone easily a completely different direction. Had he chosen to be a better person or have a, a better character, have more integrity, be a better role model in life for being for decency, you know, and humanity and all the things that that could elevate a person to a much higher level of existence. Had he chosen to be any of these things prior to taking office or even while he was in office, um, we would be in a very different place right now because his connections to the United States chart get him a lot of voice and a lot of amplification for his voice. The problem and the question and the challenge always becomes, what is the voice of this person that we're giving a megaphone to? So in this case, you know, we chose him knowing who he had developed into as an adult. So in many ways, he is now a reflection of our mass consciousness. This is the national consciousness uh, that we're dealing with. This is where we have come to loggerheads and we have to struggle through things, right? And unfortunately, he would have been a representative of mass consciousness no matter what, but rather than taking the high road, obviously he took the low road every time, every time and brought that whole stinking ship of rats with him, known as his administration and cabinet, who further ate away at the ship itself. And remember, your administration is its own separate entity from you. I am not convinced that the administration and the cabinet around him, all his cronies and these people supporting him and still propping him up, are not looking at the impact and connections that he has to the pulse of specific groups in the United States. Because man, they're quick to open our wallets for him. And they're using that for their own agenda. This has nothing to do with the, these people supporting Trump want. This has nothing to do with what Trump wants or benefits any of those, those parties, but specifically for them. And they're absolutely using that uh, for themselves to get ahead. So again, watch the administration, watch your senators, watch your Congress people. These are the people who have their own agendas that may or may not be in alignment with a president you're supporting. And these are the people who are making the policies that could make or break your life. And again, Donald Trump is not that smart. He's not. 
Um, he's a genius at some things, but he's got the attention span of a squirrel. So he also has no, he, he has no legal background. He has no um, bureaucratic governing background. Like all he's ever done is be a, a TV performer and a failed business person who's got a lot of fraud in his wake of his activities and a lot of bad relationships as a result of defrauding people and making a lot of empty promises. So asking and expecting him to understand the constitution, you know, and the impact and portent of policies being put into effect for generations to come is well beyond his abilities. So it's very easy for the people around him to take advantage of him. Very easy, which is why I say you've got to hold the administration accountable for their own misdeeds. Because it wasn't just him. Okay. Now, the other thing that's very interesting with all the stuff that we just showed you in the chart, look at this. He's got his Pluto sits right there on the North Node and the Midhaven of the country. Pluto is always a disruptive force. Pluto always upends the tables. Pluto always makes things incredibly difficult um, because Pluto destroys things. Pluto breaks things down to nothing so you can build them up from raw material from the ground up. His Pluto combined with this full moon involving Uranus, this man absolutely was a, a presence that needed to be there to break up our complacent thinking and uh, the status quo. There was a lot of things that had been set in the motion. The machine had been running for a long time without any challenges and has led us to this point. So he is literally the symbol of the breaking point that we needed to come to so we can fix this. So even for all his bad stuff, in many ways, his presence actually provided a good service. Um, we just got to get through it. We just got to get through it to actually see the better parts of this. All right. Now, one last thing between his chart and the United's chart. There's a lot of connections to the chart that are extremely strong and powerful. And this is why his presence was such a profoundly impactful, powerful thing. It's not because he himself was profoundly impactful or powerful is because for the time he served as president, his presence there in that office served a much greater purpose that had to do with our evolution as a nation. We needed to reach this breaking point. We needed to break up impasses. We needed to break up the status quo. And we needed everything laid bare, broken open and laid bare, honestly, so we could see exactly what we're dealing with that has been forming and in motion for so many decades. So in many ways, he was the, um, the gremlin in the machine. He is the entity that broke the machine, uh, which is corruption in government, you know, among other things, um, and exposed all the moving parts or is in the process of exposing all the moving parts. So understand that he played a role. He's just a man and he's not obviously a great one, because um, he's fomenting anger and hatred for personal gain. That's not a good person. Um, but at the end of the day, he served a purpose, and that's why he is so notable in his influence as well as his position in history. Okay, so the last thing I want you guys, I want you guys to see. Remember this um, full moon in the chart I was showing you, right? And it involves the Mars in the United States chart. Well, it sets up a T-square to our Neptune. So we, as a nation, carry Mars square Neptune by itself. We are prone to propaganda. We talked about this in the other video. We are prone to propaganda. Um, 
and you know spin <laughs> uh, and all that fun stuff it can be a very good thing we are also given to excesses in charity as well but you know there's some there's some shady hinky stuff that we do that needs to be worked through also with mars squaring neptune it emphasizes medicine we are absolutely in many ways uh, the leaders in terms of medicine and pharmaceuticals which comes under neptune um but you know it's not without its problems and you know the pharmaceutical industry is so poorly regulated they're literally gouging people uh for insulin and epipens of all things among other issues anyway so his full moon setting up t-square to neptune absolutely further emphasizes neptune activities which again propagandas deceit lies fraud Ooh, you name it all that stuff we've been watching in his presidency with him and his administration remember those words his administration uh, these are the things that would have become absolutely a focal point during his time there and as a result of his presence there and that's exactly what we did or what we were dealing with and remember because it involves an already existing square in our own chart with Mars Neptune he literally creates the stress test okay and forces open anything anything involving our mars and neptune that we've been ignoring for far too long so that's that that's pretty impressive stuff um so if you were wondering yeah he uh <laughs> he absolutely uh was meant to be in office um so that we could wake up as it were to the machine and how it's operating and and how it's been going and taking on a life of its own without us the last thing i want to put in here and you don't see it in this chart it's a hidden aspect it's a mathematical calculation get rid of this is the united states venus mars jupiter and pluto that's quite the lineup there all these planets parallel trump's sun moon so what that means is because this is the whole and totality of his identity everything that trump is the whole of who he is his his essence and being oh, is heavily involved and aligned with uh, a lot of the personal values and issues in this country he was such a deep deep representative for uh, this country and where we are in our evolution 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 right now he could have easily been a fantastic force for good we could have had such significant positive change and growth and progress from his time in office had he been a better version of himself rather than a small petty hate-mongering race-baiting angry man who insists on playing the victim to gain sympathy from people who actually are victims of the very system he is a part of and is supporting so i i don't know i don't know i don't understand i don't understand how people think that this is okay but i suppose when people whip you up and make you angry and really um validate your resentments it's very hard to see clearly anything at all um so there's that but he is gone now he will not be back in in 2024 whenever he's talking about running again uh, his time has come and gone he is it, it has passed he has peaked and now it's on all downhill from here he has served his purpose in terms of our national identity and our national identity crisis 
So with that said, uh, for many of us, we're going to have to accept the fact that change is inevitable. The future is moving forward with or without us, and there's no going back to a world that doesn't exist anymore. So there you go. All right, let's go on to the next slide. Okay, now this I really want to get into. So now we're going to start talking about the inauguration of Donald Trump in 2017. And this should, in theory, symbolize and represent or, or reflect the administration around him. We're going to talk about this more in the next video because we're getting kind of long here. Um, so I will see you guys in the next video for part three when we talk about the Donald Trump administration and their impact on the United States. And also we're going to get into Vlad, Vladimir Putin, Trump, and his administration. Okay, so if you enjoyed that, uh, make sure you let make sure you give me some feedback. Um, or if you didn't like, give me some feedback. Um, remember to subscribe to so get notification of the next video as it comes up. And if you think somebody would enjoy hearing this, absolutely by all means share it. Especially if you know people who are learning astrology, this is a good study material. And I will talk to you guys later. This has been Miss Jenny with Primal Girl Wellness and Down to Earth Astrology, and we will see you in the next video for part three.